Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. How's everybody doing? Wild days, wild days. I don't know about you, but I am having days of like, big hope and positivity and oh, the world's so great the way people are reaching out to each other. And then I'll have a day where I'm like, oh my God, what kind of weird world is this? And I find the weight of people's struggle on my shoulders uh, in a way that I've never felt it before. And I'm so proud, I have to say, I am so proud of the Firecracker Department team because these are, these are women that have stepped into action. They've stepped into action because we know that there is a need for community and for providing different things for different people and that's our jam. That's, that's the Firecracker jam is really, if there's a need, we're gonna try and fulfill it. Come on over, firecrackerdepartment.com or on Facebook. It's really buzzing over on Facebook on the membership page. Or if you're lacking in connection, join our movie group where every month we talk about a different movie. First Saturday of the month, go to our Facebook page for more information and we're talking about In a World, which uh, stars Lake Bell and I can't wait to talk about that. I don't know, we have a brunch every Sunday if you feel like just hanging out. If you feel like you need to have somebody nudge you to get writing, we have a writer's department, so join that. We really have something for everyone and as I always say, there's a seat at the firecracker table for you, so just pull it up. We got you. Please reach out and, uh, and we got your back. Now, today, our guests, yeah, that's right, I put a plural on that. It's a very special episode at Firecracker Department. So I talked to these gals during their sold out premiere at TIFF last summer. And uh, it, I get to put all of them under one episode, which I really, really love. So we're gonna do this episode a little bit differently than normal. First of all, you're gonna hear my chat with Sarah Blake and Charlotte, AKA Charlie Wells, the producers of RAF. Uh, this is this amazing film. And then once that conversation's done, then you're gonna hear my conversation with Jesse Stanley. Okay, why not? She's one of the stars of the film. It's one of my favorite things about Firecracker Department is I truly believe like we're all equal, right? I don't care if your resume has 100 credits or two credits. We're all artists and we're all supporting each other to take creative action in one way or another. Like we had this great TIFF party last summer and uh, we gave Jan Arden, who for those of you who don't know, get out from underneath that rock. She's this beautiful singer songwriter, but now she has her own show called Jan on CTV in Canada and she has books and she's a podcast and she is an incredible inspiration to so many of us. And uh, we gave her the very first Blaze Award from Firecracker Department to honor that kind of contribution to the arts and to her community. So you have Jan Arden at our party and you have Danny Kind and Kat Barrel and uh, Amanda Bruegel. And then you have Stephanie and Carly and Kayla who are just starting out their careers and they were at the party and that's how it should be. We should all be under the same roof supporting each other to take creative action and we're all in this art together. And this episode is the perfect example. So you're gonna get it, I got really excited. So you're gonna get an insight uh, to all of this and you're gonna get right inside to listen into the feature film production and festival process. Even the film itself, for lack of a better word, super firecrackery. Yeah, then super firecrackery inside. In fact, somebody actually came up to me the other day and uh, because I was supporting something that, that she was working on and she was like, don't get all firecracker on me, which I love that it's become an action word. So I hope you're all getting real firecrackery these days. Raph is a short film that grew into a feature about two women and their friendship and how bright female friendship can burn. So first up, 
we have Sarah and Charlie. Masters of production, Sarah's producer from Vancouver with a background in distribution. And Charlie is a Scottish filmmaker based in New York and London. So you're going to hear Sarah's accent, which is Canadian. Charlie's got a little Scottish accent. My voice. <laughs> who, who really knows? Who really knows? I'm just so excited to share this international meeting of the beautiful minds that formed RAF. So let's get into it. This is Charlie and Sarah. come together as a team the project like originated um through film school mm -hmm. so uh the director harry and i were in the same class um same year group at nyu graduate film mm -hmm. and um he asked me to produce um a short film in new york that he was going to make his thesis film and over the course of several months it became like the ultimate bait and switch and <laughs> transformed into a feature film in Vancouver. He scammed you. He did scam me. He was like, it's he gonna be a short me. film, no problem. Couple of weekends. No problem, New York, like right in your Oh backyard. my gosh. You'll walk to work. That's right. That's or right. it's a feature in Vancouver. It's a feature in Vancouver. Um you know, and he said, Are you still interested? And by that point, you know, like we'd been kind of developing it a little bit together. And yeah. The project it really became a completely different film. In fact. Did it? Yeah, he 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 said, you know, here's this one page one pager of something I've been thinking about. It's a little bit different than what we'd previously been talking about, but both were with Grace. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, I really like this. You know, it was a story what was of, the thing that you were like? Oh yeah, I'm in. This is the story of two women who have this friendship that burns bright and fast. Yeah, you know, and that seemed really exciting and. Yeah. This was in maybe September of 2017. And, you know, we knew that we were going to be shooting quite imminently. And he knew he had both the actors. And it seemed like a great setup and something that could organically develop as we put production elements together. Because mm -hmm. obviously he's writing the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so once we understood what it was and knew that it was going to be taking place in Vancouver, um, we knew that we would source most of our crew from our collaborators at film school, but that it would be good to have somebody local. Mm -hmm. And so, um, cut Harry, to Sarah, cut to Sarah, right. exactly. So, Harry is using met... my film savvy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fade into Sarah. See how I do that. Harry had met a friend of yours, right? At the yeah, Vancouver. yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. At the festival. And I guess he had reached out to her to ask, like, if. I think if she had any recommendations for just like I think very specific things originally and she's like I don't produce but here meet my producer right and um that's kind of how it happened and yeah. then I yeah Harry sent me a very official pitch document I remember and I was like oh okay like I was thinking I was just expecting to get on a call and just chat it through yeah. but um it was we pretty like yeah it made yeah. me feel really good i was like sweet this is awesome isn't that then, weird how sometimes like we we belittle professionalism do you know what totally. i mean like you kind of go well why would you do that but it's like because i'm running a business that's yeah. why you know like yeah. it's the way it goes yeah, yeah and it's, it's often a fine line when you're working with friends like mm -hmm. and, right and you want to pitch something like do i send them the document that's probably going to be a little bit awkward but do i send it to a friend of a friend like yes yeah. because they don't know me and but even getting your friends to sign a contract. Oh, like yeah. I've worked with friends all the time. Course, and I'm like, I need you to sign a contract. I yeah. just, I think it's way easier, way more clear. And I've had so many experiences with friends where you meet someone and you like that kindred spirit feeling at first, and then sometimes you never see them again, or yeah. sometimes uh, just like because like, I'm always like meeting new people. Sure. And yeah, somebody said to me that friends come along for a long time, a short time, or an important time, and that this relationship really seemed like it was a short important time yeah. yes. like it was just like a very telling um, 
And was there something like, like, cause I also think that we learn a lesson each project. Uh, what did you guys learn? I know there's a learning curve was huge probably, but not so much like how to do that shot. Uh, cause it sounds like you were creatively involved, Charlie, from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it was such a small team. Everybody was creatively yeah. involved, you know. And, and that's like, not always the way. It's not, but, you know, I knew Harry. It's funny because I didn't know Harry that well. We were close friends with a lot of the same people uh-huh. and had somehow missed each other a little bit, which is why I was excited to work with him and get to know him. Um, but with all of those people, it's always going to be collaborative. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like you say, it's blood, sweat, and tears. So many... So many bloods, of, of so all, many sweats. All of those things. Right. I don't know if blood was drawn. Was blood drawn <laughs> on this project? Possibly. Not real blood. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Corn it's Corn syrup, point. sure. Um, so was there a learn... What, what was the lesson like when you... I mean, it might be too early to reflect mm-hmm. as well, because this is such a busy time for you guys with the festival. But was there something you're like, I'm never going to do that again, or I'm always going to do that when I produce? My instinct with that, and I think I knew this already, but this has solidified it, is I would never produce a project like this alone. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's what but I you, was just gonna but say. like, what do you mean, like, just as uh, without a uh, I mean without company? no no I mean without a second producer oh, yeah. at least within the the context of this type of film, mm-hmm. there is no reason to do it alone, and I mean. Yeah, we're working when Harry reached out to you and like we chatted to you on Skype and then Harry and I chatted afterward and we're like, this is a huge risk because we don't, you know, every, we, we all know each other oh. so well and all yeah. it takes is one person on any film, but especially on a film of this scale, who it just is not you know, in sync with everybody else mm-hmm. to make it very, very unpleasant. Of course. You guys, um, it could have gone one way or another. It could have, and it went, like, it couldn't have gone better from my point of view. And it really... Well, the weekend tip isn't over, so you never know. <laughs> like, things could turn the last minute. It's just getting better. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, I think, like, our skill sets complemented each other's as Definitely. well. Yeah. Um, and even, like, creatively, what we're responding to, like, it was really important to Harry to shoot in Vancouver and use Vancouver as Vancouver and not shoot in Vancouver to be LA or anywhere right. else. Mm-hmm. And that was like something you had a lot of insight into. Yeah. yeah. And especially since we were such a small crew, like there was so, as there are always multiple hats to wear, sure. there was just like uh, too many hats to wear. So yeah. it was nice to be able to just have one person doing one thing and like running around with the crew making sure they're getting everything done while like trying to plan for the next day and mm-hmm. making sure that everything's in place so that when we show up we're in we're like in a good position to as good a position as we can moving be. forward yeah because yeah. that was part of it too i think because it happened so fast it was just like how do we keep moving forward with getting what we need and letting Harry and grace and jesse all have their creative kind of time uh-huh. but also yeah having the whole deadline just like needing to finish right because right? that was a big reality I think, of the yeah project. I mean, we shot in 13 days and yeah you know what are you a hallmark movie <laughs> i mean that's 10 that's 10 and it has way more money so you guys do much better than that <laughs> yeah i wanted to start producing because i'm interested in so many things and it seemed like a really good place to be able to direct lots of different interests and Mm -hmm. abilities and I really am interested in every element of the process I'm very obsessive um, 
in lots of different ways and so I feel like I've gained a good understanding of every element of the process but that was my kind of pitch in my interview when I went to film school because I'd come from running a company that worked it functioned as like a crew agency and workflow consultancy it was mm-hmm. really dealing with like the advent of digital digital really oh my god you super lost me what is was it what kind of business was it so when 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 film was I mean I could nod and just be like oh yeah but I really don't know when when projects started shooting digitally and not on film uh-huh. this space emerged for people who were going to handle the data basically okay and so this company um in london filled that space or was one of the early companies to fill that space and so you have these people who work on sets dits who coordinate the data in the same way somebody used to physically unload a magazine from a film right um these people deal with the data gotcha they also have a a more creative role so our company worked in that space okay and i spoke with producers every day who did not know how to communicate what they needed or they wanted and it just struck me as crazy because it led to a lot of inefficiencies in their productions right um i've always been interested in understanding every element of um and i think that that's helpful yeah you bring a curiosity and yeah, and, and like a, a competence um, across the board, but yeah. not necessarily. And then, you know, and that's when you turn to specialists, when you need to... Up at a notch. Yeah, yeah I get it. But what being about... able to have those conversations, I think, is important. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What about you, Sarah? At least with this project specifically, I was the, like, the Vancouver knowledge. Right, so right, right. I definitely, like... Where do you when go for good to, sushi? Where do you Yeah. Go? <laughs> like where are we getting our gear from? How yeah. are we like how are we getting it from like NYU to here and what pieces are missing and then making sure that everyone is like well just getting everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. I mean I it really I think I ended up running a lot of like just the logistical stuff to mm-hmm. make sure that um yeah, just because I, I knew who to call, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right, for yeah. everything. It's your hometown. Um, yeah, yeah. Locally, so that was kind of, I think, obviously, I think that's probably where I definitely... But you also came from a distribution background, yeah. and I think oh, yes. that's something like, that you really brought to this. Like, thinking about that from day one, that I found really helpful and learned a lot from. Yes, which now we get to uh, practice. Right. Practice here now. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's also, yeah, that's also a big thing before I, because this was, yeah, just after I produced a couple shorts. Um, and then prior to that, I, yeah, worked for a sales and distribution company. So, uh, which they dealt with a lot of um, independent films. So I kind of had an idea of like where this film could maybe go and do and yeah. how to start just even yeah thinking about it and making sure that we were prepared for yeah just for the eventual you know release yeah 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 right? forward thinking like, yeah yeah exactly and that stuff is a nightmare to do after the fact you know yeah you sort of have to have a vision as you're going as opposed to oh we should have got some stills <laughs> yeah it, like from getting stills to you know being responsible responsible about IP and, and music mm-hmm. and contracts with friends um, you know just making sure all of that was happening while we were there yeah and knowing what like kind of down the line like in terms of posts like what we can kind of wait on and what we need to like do right away right. and then just like knowing kind of where the pieces I guess have to come in when yeah. it's, when it's, <laughs> it's time like and be stress. ready for it you're like <laughs> just like reminding <laughs> yourself of what you just went through <laughs> But I think it was also good because everyone seemed to be, everyone was open to it a lot. 
I didn't know how I didn't know how people would react to needing to sign a contract when it is just with a bunch of friends mm-hmm. or how, and I think that was kind of what was so special about this group of people is everybody was just down to make mm-hmm. it happen however it needed to exactly was there anything that you um, learned from this project like I, I don't want to call them mistakes because I don't mm-hmm. think mistakes exist like I think you probably learned but was there something you went okay next time I'm gonna make sure we do it this differently uh Definitely. Um, I was going to say one thing. Uh, Harry was obviously writing the script well into like a day or so before we were shooting. That's hard, yeah. Um, and there was just, even just for prep wise, just knowing that uh, like prep in general, like flying everyone out, like it would have been good if we had all been out there even a week earlier, just understanding like that part of the schedule. Um, that was definitely a big thing that mm-hmm. I remember going in and being like, Ah, if only we had a little bit more time. And I know it's always like that, but I know, it but felt like, okay, now I have a better sense of, you know, how long it actually takes to prep and do and think of a feature versus like a short where it's like a 10 minute thing. It takes you 10 minutes to read. Right. Feature takes you an hour and a half to yeah. two hours to read. And if you're reading it with a group of 10 people as you're going through it as a read through, you're there for three hours and you're like, oh, now we have to talk about it. Right. And it's like, we didn't really... But that's something I definitely took away from it was just even time. Yeah. Yeah. You, Yeah, it's funny because that's not where I was going to go first. Oh. Because probably <laughs> because I've just blocked out. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're totally right. During prep especially, which was tricky because our shit days moved. Yes. Which I just remembered. Oh, yeah, right. They did. We were going to shoot a little bit earlier and we thought, like, you know, we think we can make something good here. We have to give ourselves an extra couple mm-hmm. of months. I don't know how on earth we would have done it two months prior. Yeah. Um, and we were fighting against, like, Sundance was right afterward. Right. People needed to be there. And um, and so prep was really, prep was really challenging for that exact reason. You know, like, we're like, okay, let's have a meeting with everybody. Some people are on Skype, some people are in person. And let's talk through one aspect of production, let's say design. And it's, it's like a five-hour, six-hour meeting to go through the whole script. Yeah. And you need to do that for every element of production. And that's more than a few days of prep in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impossible sometimes. It's though, Im- there, there was and... no... Like, this was when we had to shoot it. Yeah. And, like, there were vacations planned over Christmas. Like, people were away. It was, it was tough. But going forward, you know... Um, just knowing how much time those meetings it's those meetings it's like let's just set aside a time to talk yeah and you're there for two hours and we would be five pages into the oh script oh my god oh my god and my what god. that meant was the first few days of production were very well planned out and then as it went along there was mm-hmm. a lot more to figure out the nights before yeah, yeah not a lot of sleep <laughs> the mornings of <laughs> yeah there's pictures where um one of our crew members had a uh, point and shoot 35 millimeter camera yeah. on set <laughs> a lot of us just like backed into a corner somewhere with our laptops yeah. <laughs> eyes down um so that was something and then our crew was we had eight people and that included yeah. harry the director and the two of us right so five people um and that was just due to like the constraints that we were working with would you, know? you have had more people if you could afford them yeah, absolutely. I only ask that because I've been on sets where there's a ton of people in all the departments, and I've also been on sets like that, and I sometimes think it's more efficient. It can be, but there's a couple of more people that we needed. We needed a dedicated AD. 
Oh, yeah. Because that's something that I knew I had learned on previous shoots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Producer should never AD. But we physically didn't have space for another person to sleep. Right. And so it was like, okay, this is what we're working with. We had a budget. You know, we made that budget in the end. We came on, we came like just under it. Um, wow. <laughs> which actually felt know. irresponsible. <laughs> like that money could have helped us <laughs> at some point on Sunday. Yeah. Nobody comes in yeah. under budgets. Um, so we it just it just wasn't possible. We needed an AD. We needed another person. We are um, AC slash key grip slash gaffer. Yeah. Was an absolute rock star. I thought you were going to be like a nightmare. No, <laughs> no. Like she, she did was everything. Un, just unbelievable. And the weight of the camera, we had these huge lenses on the front. Yeah. yeah. Um, the I, weight I, of the camera alone sometimes. I'm like, how are you surviving? I, I went to pick up the camera when I arrived and I... I was absolutely floored. Like, yeah. I really, I almost couldn't. Right. Um, and she, you know, they needed help. She should have had somebody there. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I think yeah. another one or two people, the thing is on a project at the scale, once you have another one or two people or three people, it increases the need for help with production. Yes. And so more people equals more people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, production start to start to balloon. I think there's a sweet spot, but it's not, it's not eight. <laughs> it might be three. Yeah. Do you know what I mean on that type of production? Yeah. It's like a director, a cinematographer, and a sound person. Yeah. Three or four, but I think eight. But we needed a little bit more. I got Definitely. Um, did you guys always want to be producers? Did you start going, I want to produce films? Because I, I, I've never really, like, as a little girl, girl growing up, I never was like, I want to produce. I was like, that just didn't um, factor in as a as a job. No, I think I think producing kind of came as I realized, like as I was making my own films mm-hmm. in like film school, and as I was helping other people, I realized that oh, I actually like kind of seeing it from the beginning all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And before I went to film school, I don't even think I thought a producer was a job either. Really, like I, 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 I know a job it is, that but you I did didn't... if you wanted your stuff done. Like, so you're a writer, you have to be a producer. You're an right, actor, you have to also be a producer. Yeah. But you're also, you're both creators, so will, can you ever imagine just producing and not writing and directing? Uh, I can, I think. Yeah. I, I quite, I quite like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I find I get really attached to other people's um, projects okay, and then yeah. I get really stoked about helping them get it made. So yeah. that's kind of what drives me to do them. Yes. Yeah. That's an amazing feeling, that feeling like you read something that someone's written and you think I can help yeah oh yeah you know like I have something that can help move this project forward that can help create it Charlie did you always want to be a producer I took a very circuitous path to you know what those big words aren't welcome here (laughs) no I get it I get it it. (laughs) you know I I, um yeah I didn't study film I think when I was 14 I wanted to be like a movie director yeah you just knew you wanted that that world yeah, I mean, I, I just I just loved movies, you mm-hmm. know, like I had the unlimited pass for my local movie theater. And, mm-hmm. and then it, it fell by the wayside a little bit in terms of being something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Why do you think that was? I don't know. Just progression through school, being told that, you know, there's a set number of things that are acceptable to do. Yeah. Um, what do you mean? Like there's like that it wasn't part of your future, like it couldn't be something that you could do? Um, yeah, just that a creative, a creative profession was 
incredibly unlikely. Oh, you know? difficult. Like, what's right. the backup? What's the backup? Right. What's the backup? Who what told you that? What else will you do? Everybody. Was that your family or is it school stuff? It was some family. It was school. I mean, and I, and I pursued a very kind of academic route in school. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, I did um, classics at university and really loved it. And considered going down that path and you then say classics do you mean like literature latin and greek literature oh yeah even classic-y classic 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 yes <laughs> <Lee> classics. <laughs> um and then i ended up in new york working um and uh, i met some people who worked in film and it really reignited my passion for it like film and tv and uh, i went back to london i started working with a friend who did study film as an undergraduate we've been kind of best friends in high school and I started running his company. Um, it was like just him. Right. And we did it together. And it, it was really fun introduction into TV and commercials and um, and everything. And I used that to kind of pivot into the MBA MFA program at NYU, right. which is a producing program. So I think at a certain point I thought, like, like I said earlier, producing involves such variety mm-hmm. of tasks and of content. Mm-hmm. And that was what drew me to it. And so I went to this program, um, met amazing people. And then in the second year, you switch from the business school into the film school, and I made a movie. And then everything took a little bit of a turn. Because that was like, I don't want to do anything else. It was just so creatively fulfilling. Like, I had an amazing collaboration with the people that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, turned out, it turned out nicely. And I thought, I really want to make films too. But I never stopped producing mm-hmm. um, and directing is definitely my primary focus but you know there's a group of us and we work together often and I still feel like I have something to contribute mm-hmm. and so as long as I feel that way then you know I, I will continue to help and produce and mm-hmm. even though sometimes it seems incredibly masochistic <laughs> well I think it's weird because produ- saying I'm a producer sounds so much more um, grown up than saying I'm an artist or I'm an actor director writer right like if you're a producer I'm like oh you're you got your life together. <laughs> if you said I'm an actor, like, oh, how are you going to make that work? Yeah. But you are. I mean, it's all part and parcel, right? Yeah, and we're definitely in an era where I think it helps to be a producer and some, to take ownership of what it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know? And um, and I think that that's, that's important, too. So what would you tell people if they came up against roadblocks um, to direct or write or produce? To take ownership of what they're doing. Um, and what did that look like for you? I mean, it means it means making things that don't require... Film is such an expensive art form. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, you know? Um, well, I mean, it can be. I mean, you could do web series. I'm all about just doing things, getting things done. Well, exactly, done, but... But, but there's a way to... You know, the, the film that I made that, as a director that first got some traction was, you know, toward the end of film school, and Greg, who's the cinematographer on this, and I said we have to make something. We've not made something from last year, that's not acceptable, mm-hmm. we're in film school, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Let's just go and do it. And we did, you know? Um, and it was, you know, it proved that you can pull things together yeah. quite quickly. And you can shoot it on a 5D that you borrow from somebody, you know? Yeah. Or that you rent online for, for not too much. You don't need, you don't need the fanciest cameras to tell a story well. Right. Um, but I think often like, people will ask, you know, I'm looking for a producer for a film. It's like you can produce it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's your first short film, just get your best friend to help drive people and organize things, and just make it make it happen. Mm-hmm. It's obviously easier said than done. 
Well, I also think that it's kind of the thing, like, if, if it's too hard, then maybe it's not right. Do you know what I mean? Like, if it's, if you look at those kind of obstacles and go, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get my friends to do this or pick up the lens or in Vancouver, like drive across Vancouver to find something. But if you care about it and you actually want to do it, you'll just push through and you'll make it happen. Like, what do you guys do when you're not inspired to create? How do you get reinvigorated? <laughs> go for a walk. Yeah? That's not, that's yeah, not usually, the wrong answer. That's usually right. go for a walk. Yeah? Or, or I, I read a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, reading is actually, oddly enough, my form of, like, escapism to then sure. come back to coming up with other ideas. Because yeah. we're not, like, a never-ending vessel of creativity. Do you know? Like, there yeah. are times that I'm, like, burnt out. And just physically, how do you get back in, on track? Take take a break, step away from a project for mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, my partner's a writer. She's very, very disciplined. Right. Um, like she's Writers able, usually are. She's able to say, like, I have two hours right now. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write. Uh-huh. And I just am more of a kind of wait for lightning to strike. Blows my mind. I know. Um, my brother's a poet and he writes like every day but see that I think is the key like yeah it's a muscle I think sitting down every day when I've been able to you know like I've just finished writing a feature project and it's taken a very long time and when I've made the most progress is when I've been able to set aside time every day Mm -hmm. and it just percolates you know and you're thinking about it all the time and you come back the next day and even if you don't type any words you're you're still writing Mm -hmm. where do you think you guys get your passion for this from i've always been involved in like um like either theater or like other forms of like storytelling and i think at some point i just realized that i just prefer this medium Mm -hmm. so it just i think it just came from a place of like wanting to tell stories and work with really awesome people i Mm -hmm. think that's one of the biggest things i love about the film industry and filmmaking mm-hmm. is that you get to collaborate with a lot of really cool people and it's always changing and I think there's a lot of cool things you can do with it but yeah I I guess I guess from the story yeah story yeah I'm with you what about you Charlie I mean I suppose it started with film and tv and watching a lot and it being like a form of escapism and I moved a lot as a kid, so it would be yeah. this kind of consistent thing, you know? You watch this thing and it's there or it's here or it's wherever you go. But it's definitely evolved. Like I think what drives me the most now is being able to articulate something on this medium that I maybe can't articulate in words mm-hmm. and seeing other people do the same, like expressing an emotion or a feeling or a situation that see, seeing it portrayed makes you feel that way, you know, mm-hmm. and makes you, you identify with it. You identify with that feeling that maybe you couldn't put into words before. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this flash. I have to ask you if there's uh, what the, uh, from Raph, the movie that you guys created, is there something that you're most proud of? Like, is there a shot that you're most proud of? Is there an element that you're most proud of? Cause there's a victory somewhere in there that you're like, we got that. For me, seeing the whole film is such a victory, like especially as a producer. Mm -hmm. When I think about being in production, I think about us being in the car (laughs) together, like driving to and from places, just like figuring things out. 
Mm. And then I see this this finished product, you know, and we had some amazing people who worked in the post end of it, mm-hmm. who really helped elevate the sound of the picture. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, like, seeing in that theater tonight, it's... How are you feeling about sold that? Sold out, I think. Really excited. Yeah. yeah. Really excited. Um, will you be able to sit, or do you have to pace? I will sit. I will find a way to sit. I'll probably just be stuck somewhere in the Are you middle. allowed to pace up and down the aisle? I mean, not up and down, <laughs> but at the back. Like, I think that I usually... Uh, I remember seeing a movie, um, and um, Quentin Tarantino was at the back. I don't even know. I was probably <laughs> one of his movies. But the, I, I never saw him. I just say, said, oh, he was at the back and pacing. Pacing. Like, you know, I'll definitely be sitting probably with my hands clenched yeah just like oh excited for you eyes wide open yeah i think it's very exciting it's very exciting it'll be fun to just it's the experience i think of being in the theater yeah will be fun um i'm excited to see what you guys do next thank you yeah thank you do you have any plans are you even able to see past tonight in general yeah yeah i mean yeah, I have a, po- a project in post right now, oh. which is really exciting, and then another one that we're um, developing. So there's lots going yeah. on. I'm, but I there's still so much hopefully for Raf, yeah. especially yeah. with um, the upcoming festivals. And we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll be watching. Yeah, thanks. Thanks you too. Okay, now you're probably thinking that was a great little bit of insight, but I want some more. So here is my chat with Jessie Stanley. She plays the Oracle in Van Helsing, and she's in their film Raph. She plays Tal. Uh, she's the other side of the friendship in the front of the story. So she's just an incredible person. She's also got this great love of the craft. You'll hear this in my interview with her. Um, you know, there's some people that are actors, but you can tell they come from such a place of theatricality and artistic venture, and to me, that's Jessie. So here she is, Jessie Stanley. to talk to you because you're sold out tonight. I heard. Did you just find out right yeah, now? Yeah, I just found that. I That's just found that out. How, how does that sit with you? I mean, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but it's also fantastic. and um, It's better than the opposite. Of course. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that, that like, people want to see movies, and it, it's, a, it's like a fantastic time slot as well, so we're yeah. lucky to have, yes. to have that. Yes. But um, hopefully they're kind of a young... Um, audience that's interested in like different cinematic styles yeah there's like a lot going on in this movie and it's it's not it's not like a totally straightforward narrative and it doesn't stay in one tone how is that as an actor like that you must have really trusted him yeah I do trust him a lot he's like a a long-term personal friend of mine okay so it's not like your first time working with him no but it's it was our first feature it was his first feature it was my first feature yeah Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we, we trust each other's vision, and he gave me a ton of freedom, and we just got to play a lot and then hope that he'd find what he what he wanted yeah. in the final cut. Like, some sometimes we would just do one take, and we'd be moving on, and I'd feel really uneasy about yeah. that. <laughs> and then what would, you, what would you do? How would you deal with that? Well, I think the one takes are usually when we were doing improvised mm-hmm. scenes, mm-hmm. and the tea scene was, like, totally improvised, and we were dealing with real traffic and um like this cat caller that was meant to interrupt us yeah and it was just kind of like just keep talking about your interest in teas yeah, until right. you have the cat caller uh interrupting your moment and, yeah yeah 
I was just like, all right, hair, like, you know what you're doing, but this feels really... Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it, you're in a bit of a whirlwind with this whole project, too. Like, you're sort of... I held it in 12 days. I know. I heard that's... It was crazy. It's intense. Talk. Were you all um, living together as well? The crew and Grace were living together. Wow. I live in Vancouver, so I have my own apartment to go back to. And how was that? Was that a good feeling to be able to separate? Because... Because sometimes it's good to really immerse yourself. I did a movie and I stayed, I lived in a condo with my co-star and it was awesome because we had like big laughs. We could work on lines. It was great. Yeah. Like, I, w- I, f- I sometimes felt like I was missing out a little bit, but at the yeah, same time, yeah. like I needed to go and kind of take care of myself and have a good night's sleep. And, yeah. And also just shake off whatever worked or didn't work. Right. This is also, I feel like this is shot you into like social media overload this movie I because whenever totally. I do research I kind of see what people are doing to see what their yeah, stories I'm not, I'm are not social media it doesn't all. seem like your jam which is no judgment but I I would think like this would make you go oh I gotta step it up a notch yeah How did I've that... done four posts on Instagram <laughs> in the last four days <laughs> I saw I saw your Godzilla post yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but like does that shake it up because there's a this is also like against your instincts right your instincts are mm-hmm. I don't really want to be part of social media yeah but our world is like please do so that this film can be successful yeah how do you navigate that for yourself I, I recognize that a festival like this can bring great opportunity for artists and also you just have so much opportunity to network and if people are seeing your face then they're more like to, to, to have a serious conversation with you about mm-hmm. it. like unfortunately that's just the nature of the beast and yeah, I'm having the same the same thing with a TV show that I have been on now, really fortunate to be on now in Vancouver for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the the next season's coming what's the up. What's name of that? It's called Van Helsing. Van Helsing. It's and what's your what's show. your character? I don't really understand because it's it's like a, a being of sorts. Is I'm that an right? or yeah, I'm a vampire. A vampire, but, but like, I'm an oracle. Yeah. So I sort of have premonitions about things, right. and I also I'm sort of a seer for the paths of a bunch of the lead okay. characters, and I kind of come in and wreak havoc in all of their lives, and up, just I just create upheaval everywhere I go, Fun. as well as killing many. Many humans and hashtag many sex, other sexy, sassy, oracle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't so know about sexy. Well, <laughs> sassyoracle.com is that the thing? Yeah. yeah. So how do you how where do you put all that stuff for social media? Well, up until very recently, nowhere. Yeah. I just let the show do all of them. They have they have lots of sure PR people, and I occasionally my face would show up, and I'd just be like, sure, yeah, fine, yeah. But I'm, I'm learning. I'm still, like, very much learning. I feel like we work so hard at our craft and our creativity. And then when that's over, it becomes the outward looking yeah, the in. business side. Which is such a dichotomy for my brain. So I, um, I'd much rather be, like, in my sweatpants, like, figuring things out. But I know the, the value, as you said, of, like, you know, like, people seeing what you're doing. Yeah. So. What other plates are you spinning? Um, so I, I produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really lucky when I got back to Vancouver, I, I sort of connected with, uh, a director. I wanted to learn more about kind of the business side of making film. Mm -hmm. And so I called him. I've like just learned the other side of things in a way that now makes me, because I would eventually like to to produce independent film and to be in independent film that I'm producing. And, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I didn't have any of the skills of production management and, right. and budget oversight and like 
the, the network of people that you need to pitch to and yeah. all of this stuff. And So that sort of like feeds like your pocketbook while you're feeding your artist pocketbook yeah, with yeah, the yeah. films like Raph. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then the, the net Van Helsing has just been like a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And I hadn't actually worked much on Van Helsing when, when we shot Raph because we did it like two years ago. And so now I've had two years of, of getting like a ton of on-camera experience and learning kind of the, the technical aspects of mm-hmm. acting for on-camera because mm-hmm. I'm a theater person that came to the theater. Right. I to, did a did my bachelor's at Ryerson and then went and then I moved went to, to England. You did? I did. Yeah, yeah. For, and then you moved to England? Yeah. Then I went to did my master's at RADA in, okay. in London. Yeah. Had a my dad was born in England, so I have a British passport, and nice. I just didn't leave for five years. Wow. So just like saw the best theater in the oh, world yeah. and and the worst theater and the yeah like that's the thing I'm yeah. going to England going. And seeing a really bad play, and I found it somewhat comforting, so that no, it wasn't that the like English can do oh, bad. Yeah, work. yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that was boring. But how is it boring? It's in London. I know. London can do boring theater too. Yeah, they um, do it all. So you did five years there. Were you doing theater in London? Some. Yeah. I was trying to do theater in yeah. London. And I was also it's hard business there. It, it's it's especially yeah. hard for um, like um, I mean, there's there's no work for Americans unless you are like kind of a name right and they can slot you in in their right quintessential Americana role and uh I I mean I worked on independent stuff and I created a collective with five women that Mm -hmm. graduated from RADA and we did our own devised theater company for two years and we got we got commissions and we made work yeah like used found space and we like tried out some stuff that worked and some stuff that really didn't but it was that's so cool though you probably like found yourself in London like needing to make work and you if you had lived in Canada at that time maybe you wouldn't have had to make your own work so that's good yeah what was your company called it was great it was called Huntley Street Huntley Street and um which was the street the intersection where we we met which was at a bar that we all would go to after we'd be in class great and so the shows that you did then what did that inform like in the in your creative life that you're doing now I think like mostly it just informed um, the fact that I can't make work in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I need to be stimulated by other creative people and collaborations with people that I love and trust and, and, and believe in their talent Yeah, is like the only way that I seem to be able to work. Yeah, like I've tried for quite a long time to finish writing a one woman show that like has the first act I know done, like, but then you're gonna times. do a one woman show and be all alone I know and I can't do it like I can't finish it yeah because I feel like I'm I don't have the input of people that have skills that I don't right and, and also so lonely and it is quite lonely do you think that maybe it's not like not to guide this for you, but like <laughs> maybe it's not it's a not a woman show, show. like after. are there a lot of characters is it one of those one person shows yeah because I've heard people writing one person shows then stepping back and going oh wait we a should second. just cast two other people cast, you know but yeah I don't know it's definitely more economical to have a one person show if you're doing like no I think festivals. you're I think I think you're you're right it's meant to be um about my family and three women in my family gotcha. so I was thinking that I would play all three and they'd be I mean that'd be kind of cool too though so the third woman who is would would be the third character mm-hmm. my grandmother just died and so because that's really hard too if you're writing like talk about fear yeah like oh I know that's like not a easy. representation of my mother yeah. would be really because your mom won't come and see it yes yeah so there's one less person 
Yeah, <laughs> and you might have to wait. I don't know. I know. Like, I, know. It's, I mean, I'm not saying that be morbid, but I know like people write. It's a lot easier to write when people aren't around to, of course, to to put another pair of eyes on it. Like, of course, of course, you're judging yourself enough. Um, one of my teachers who I worked with at RADA, who her name's Clara McBride, and she's like, she was the most informative teacher I have ever had, mm-hmm. she, and she teaches clown and mask, and uh, you've done lots of mm-hmm. clown, mm-hmm. and it's like such a mind altering, yeah thing to yeah. do and uh and so I I reached out to her almost a year ago and was like I have this idea I have like some writing done I want to work with masks because I think that I can get to the heart of these characters more easily yeah when it's not about my face it's about something in my body Great. And it's about like memory and yeah, it's yeah. about accessing memory through physicality and and she said yes, but her schedule was a little bit crazy at the time. We were trying to find the best opportunity to do it. And then my grandmother got sick, and then she passed away. And so I need to get back to Clara, and then I can be answerable to her. Right. I know. I know. I'm with you on that, though. That's, I mean, it sounds like a great piece of theater. Like, it sounds like you spin a lot of plates. Yeah. Like, like in a good way. Like, you sort of, I mean, it appeals to me, too. But, like, in the corporate world with this new job, you're sort of learning production. But then you've also got... Your heart in theater, like I don't know, I, I, I wrestle I, with this too. Yeah. Like, what's the most important plate that you're spinning? Yeah, I mean, and they're, they're all important. They're all important. They're all important. So, if you weren't going to be an actor, would you have stayed in like corporate stuff like you're doing now? What would you have done instead? I think I would be a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Could you have been a nurse yeah. with this like actor heart that you have? I think so. Huh. It taps into something else that feels like quite natural. Right. I still think about it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, jury's not out, right? Anything yeah. can happen. But did you do you rem- remember a time when, like, there was a tipping point where you're like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to pursue nursing. Um, I don't think I can think of, like, a specific tipping point. I think it's each time I get to the point where I think I might leave, mm-hmm. something comes up that right. makes me, reminds me that this is where I'm supposed to be and that these are my people. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I find a lot of actors, like, totally insufferable. Yeah, it. De- I mean, that's funny cause just, because when I first started acting, I remember, I can't remember, maybe it was my brother, and I was so, like, easily influenced by my brother that he was like, sure, you want to be surrounded by a bunch of actors? And I'm like, yeah, jerks. But there <laughs> are some jerky actors, but then there's also some amazing, yeah. like, by the best, best totally. friends in the world. Oh, yeah, so. like, they're my favorite, absolute favorite people yeah. in the world, and they're also my nemesis. Right. I went to this because I'm an improviser and I went to this improv party. I remember going to the dance floor and seeing this guy in like yellow suspenders and a toque and he was scooping the music out of the speaker and throwing it onto the dance floor and I was like yeah there's a place for you too. And I was like I don't need to hang out with that guy but I love that That he's found his place. Yeah. 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 How did did you um, get into improv? Like what makes you when did you find that you could like feel comfortable in an improv situation? Um, I don't know. I think it's what you were saying about collaboration. Okay. Like, have you ever improvised before? Yes. Like, forcibly. Yeah, right, right. Like, in the, in the movie. Right. But, like, have you ever done, like, Vancouver Theater Sports no. or anything? I've watched it. Yeah. It's not, I know you're re- retracting, like, it's scary, but it's not, it's a muscle. Right. And it is that collaboration of, like, we're in this together. So if yeah. I'm on stage with you doing an improv scene and you and I look at each other, we're like, we have nothing. We have, we, neither one of us has anything to offer. Yeah. We can go, I don't know what to say. 
And that's the most truthful thing to say on stage. And the audience goes, oh, good, because we can see that you have nothing to say. Right. It's a little bit like, yeah, it's just truth, right? It's just, and if you have um, a team of people that you trust enough, like what you're saying with Harry, then it's golden because you can fall anywhere and somebody will catch you. Yeah. So it's my favorite thing. What is coming up around the corner that might scare you? Hmm. I mean, auditions I find to be totally scary no matter how much we do them. Yeah. Like, there's certain casting directors that I go into their room and I feel warmth mm-hmm. and, like, that they're there to um, enable the best work that they can They can for yeah. them. And then there's other rooms that are, like, very cold and intimidating and it seems so counterproductive to me. Right. And I guess it's about, like, creating a bubble around you, somehow being able to separate yourself from from energy that's coming at you that feels destructive yeah. to what you've I know. Done. Why do we do that to ourselves? I, I don't know. It's such a mind... Well, it's a, it's a flawed process. Like, it's a flawed yeah. system. It's, yeah. But I don't know what to offer in as an alternative. If you were holding auditions <laughs> for a project of your own, how would you make it conducive to a stronger audition process? Right. I did this once with a short film that um, I was directing in, in London. And we brought people in and ended up getting like thank you cards from from the actors mm-hmm. afterwards mm-hmm. um we didn't have like a table in between us we didn't have a camera set up and a tea like mm-hmm. a, you know we didn't have a, a, a really um formal sort of standard way of running things we like brought them in and and we were sort of like there's something about you that we see as the role already mm-hmm. so don't feel like you need to present right to us let's talk about this script yeah. let's talk about like let's have a conversation and i mean obviously this is a timing thing too because not every we don't casters don't have time to treat everybody no. with this type of sensitivity mm-hmm. but the work was so good right right because everybody's like chill and yeah and they get their weird and... another thing that i think would be helpful is if there was like a throwaway take at the beginning of of, of that's a good thing. idea just like cold read this yeah. or something because another weird thing is like finding your reader for the first time and and like even just That's like just making so eye like, contact yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah. with somebody who you've never stared in their eye before and finding what their rhythm is mm-hmm. like because sometimes you're just like throw so thrown by totally. a reader's choice or they aren't even looking at you and yeah and you're yeah. like uh, there's so many things against us puppies yeah. puppies would be good to have just yeah. like in the waiting Rolling room around. just just to hang out. Times. I don't know. I mean, that's something I would probably I, do. Yeah, I think that would be good for <laughs> politicians too. Right? Just to have puppies around, yeah. just to make them a little bit more human looking. <laughs> yeah, maybe Trump would benefit from this. I don't want puppies near that guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't trust him. I think he'd be like, he might just accidentally crack one of their necks. Right? Just by chance, and then and then people will do something about it. Um, well, what what do you what do you want to do next? Was there like a big goal for you? Like, has there been a project that you've seen that you're like, oh, I want to do something like that? Well, so I mean, I just watched the favorite for the first time, and I know I'm way behind. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, but um, I've also seen that director's work in like The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh-huh. and it's um, it's so different and right. strange and there's room for women to be really ugly as well as uh and 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 unhinged but also still dynamic and mm-hmm. beautiful and like watchful and compelling and uh I don't want to do work where I'm like 
an ingenue. Like I'm not mm-hmm. interested in that. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever really been cast in that anyway, but um, I also don't want to be put in a category of like freak or beast or right. You know, I, there's some some something in between. Right. Well, I mean, as I think Toni Morrison said, if you if you want to be part of a story, then write it yourself. Or yeah. If you, you know, make sure. Because why are we waiting for somebody else to write us that cool movie, right? When just, like, I don't know. I've been in this business longer than you have, so maybe I deal with it more. But, like, every once in a while, I'm like, maybe I'm, I don't have the chops. Like, and that sort of is the flattening thing for me. Because yeah. then I'm like, what am I What am I doing? Yeah. And, and so I, we have, like, you know, like, you've been cast and you're doing a series and people are wanting to work with you. So there's that kind of recognition, but there's still part of it that goes, maybe I'm... Yeah, and I can... Fraud. Right, exactly. You I mean, know. there's all... I feel like I have the fraud complex all the time. Yeah. And I Imposter find, complex. That's oh, yeah, the imposter. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. The fraud. Yeah. The fraud. The fraud. I feel like a fraud all the I time. Do, I do, I feel like an imposter all the time. And I feel like I have, like, a ton of training and then not enough work to prove that the training was even the right, 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 right. choice to begin with. Or, right. Or, like, I can, I can find a way to devalue all the work that I've done by being like, yeah, but I got cast in that because, like, right. he, he's a friend of mine. Or, like, I got cast in that because nobody else in Vancouver can do a good British accent. Right. Or, like, I can... There, there's always ways to sort of deny yourself credibility. The one-woman show, it's like, whew, whew, nobody's stopping me. No. Like, so it's obviously a, a, a block that I'm having internally. I mean, you're not alone. Yeah. Like, that's not something that... Like, the what-ifs of, like, what happens if it's awful? What happens if nobody comes? What happens if people find out I'm a fraud? (laughs) Like, all those things. But then on the other hand, it's like, what happens if it's awesome? Yeah. Like, that's the thing I I have to keep, like, putting down. But it's I mean, that's an artist's struggle, I think. Yeah, I think it's a lifelong thing. Yeah. So hoping maybe you just have the answer for me to take. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I also have a girlfriend who's a playwright in London, and she's like, the only way you can ever do things is to go put yourself in the woods for a month. Like she's like, you right. need to take yourself out. Do you of, believe in that? I kind of for myself, I do because yeah. I can find a way out of of getting down to it. Yeah. Pretty much any day, like I can. And it's it, I don't know what that is about. Like it's because I don't think it's lazy. I think it's sabotage. It's sabotage. Yeah. yeah. Are you yeah. good at that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a book called the I think it's called The Art of War, and it's talking about like as you get close to your goals, like when you're just getting your momentum, you'll sabotage yourself. We do that all the time. Like yeah, with we're, relationships. Too. Relationships for sure. Are or, you? Yeah. Sorry, this is me now turning the oh. you on you. But do, are you? Do you have a partner? Yeah. Yeah, I'm married. And are they? Um, He's an actor. An artist. Mm-hmm. Are you? Do you have a partner? I do, and he's the like he's he's a writer, but he's a data scientist. So okay. He's a he's he's got like left and right brain, but I. But I it sounds a, like you do too a little bit. Like it sounds like you have a theoretical, ver- like, vision of how this world should work, and then also your heart version of it. I think that's probably true. But maybe we all do. I mean, maybe I'm not saying anything new, but I I I, I see that in you in the sense of like, A B C equals D. Right. But um, right, no, I think that's probably true. I think sometimes I'm really um, jealous of the types of actors who just seem to have like total abandon to their craft. When do you feel like an artist? What makes you feel like a true artist? I feel like a true artist when I have somebody else's really good words in my hand in a script, and they speak through me in a way that I that is unexpected. Yeah, 
I know exactly what you're talking about. It's almost um, like otherworldly. Some like levitation happens. Yeah. And I feel like truly spontaneous. Yeah. And that's always what my goal would be is to is to just get rid of all of the things that block like your intuition. And if you have really, really good words, and that's subjective obviously, but good words that resonate with me, it, it feels like something else takes over. And mm. I think that's, that's the artist in me. Is there a moment in Raph that you feel like you like really nailed all those, hmm. like everything was firing? Um, funnily enough, I think like the scenes where I got to listen more, mm. I feel more um, embodied than, than, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, the scene with um, when Victor comes in, who plays Scott, mm-hmm. and Victor and I are, are this weird freaky alliance in that yeah. scene where we, we're putting her on the spot and we want her to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that scene just like compositionally was so easy to, to drop into. Mm-hmm. And I felt uh, like it just sort of happened and there wasn't a bunch of work. Mm-hmm. Grace is such a kind of incredible actress because she cannot lie. She is like naked. Mm-hmm. And so when she's really on, like when she's fully naked, you just like go, you just start with her. Right, like, right. Like you get to go on a journey. Sure, yeah. Um, and she was like, she's phenomenal. I just get to you just watch jump on you, that train. And I just get to yeah. listen. And I just get to like watch your strange body language and like be so engaged mm-hmm. and not have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually try to wrap it up by asking what's inspiring you these days, like in the world of books or movies or podcasts oh, or music yeah. or art yeah, good idea. what's the uh, last time that you were really jazzed about something it's a little while ago but I went to a talk by Jean-Marc Vallée and it was right after I'd finished watching Sharp Objects mm-hmm. and uh, he just inspired me mm-hmm. his process really inspired me Why? what, what was about it the, his process well he never stops rolling Re- he'll, he'll redo the scene over and over and over without ever resetting right so the the way that the camera is working with the actors is much, m- much looser, much kind of more like they are a third character or oh, uh, another character in, in the scene. Okay, and um, he speaks to his camera man and man in French so that the American actors don't know what he's talking. What, oh, what he's so talking sexy! About. Come on now. Yes. Yeah, I mean he's go- he's so beautiful. Right. He, you know, he'll he'll do like. He like what he won't tell them what lens he's on. There is no sense of kind of um, invasion of space ever. It's not like also the actors are never like never get to ask when their close up is gonna be. Or, right. Like, they don't get to be vain at all. Right. They just have to play the scene. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, and there's something about the lack of vanity in his process that really appeals to me. Yeah. There's something about the um, emphasis on vanity in film and tv now that is so distasteful to me yeah and i don't i'm not above it by any means i'm totally vain no but we it's it's again a struggle right because what we care about is our craft and what other people care about is how we look so naturally we care about that as well so yeah yeah, it's tricky but the best work is always when you completely forget forget about it like yeah i remember hearing an interview with um jill soloway and they said that she did she always did one take um silently so if you and i are in a scene there's one take where you and i have that scene but we don't speak the words cool i know isn't that just the coolest thing in the world because then you get this whole other 
story that she can use as cutaways. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that we did that in theater school. I think that's like a Stanislavski like it might original be. exercise. Yeah, like silent moments or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and just finding the sort of natural choreography of and physicality of the scene without yeah. any words. My final word to you is what advice would you give to your younger self? You'd be gentler. What does that mean? With my own self judgment. Right. Choose a different industry. <laughs> <laughs> nursing. Focus yeah. on nursing. Yeah, focus on nursing. Well, I'm excited for you. I'm Thank excited you. to see what you do. I mean, even if it's going into nursing, you've got such a heart. You'll be a beautiful heart. What do you think? What do you think about this double interview? It's kind of fun. I mean, I kind of like having a little bit of insight from all these different people within one film. Let us know what you thought. At FirecrackerDBT, that's on Instagram and Twitter. And and send some Firecracker love their way. You can follow them at Raph the Film, Sarah at Sarah Louisa Blake, and Jesse at J Patties, P-A-T-T-Y-S. Go and follow them. Tell them what you thought about this interview. Tell them what you thought about the film if you saw it. All those links will be on our show notes and plus a link to the film's trailer. So go have a look at that. Thank you so much to the team from RAF for making time for me and having that great chat. So this is one of our last interviews from the 2019 festival season and we are catching up. Oh boy, we're catching up. And uh, with the state of the public health crisis on right now, it seems like this 2020 festival season might be brief or even virtual. We don't even know. We don't know what's next week. We just know what's right now. And uh, we don't want these conversations to stop. We are going to keep doing interviews in the safety and self-isolating way so we can really crush this thing. We're going to keep bringing you amazing podcasts with such inspiration that can keep motivating you forward. And if you have suggestions for future upcoming episodes, send them my way. At FirecrackerDEPT, we will respond. I cross my heart. Hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. That would hurt. Wouldn't do it. We never do that part of the rhyme, do they? Hey, speaking of crossing my heart and promising you something, here's a couple of promises I'm going to make to you. We have some regular things that are going online. Firecracker Department has gone completely online with every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have a brunch. We have brunch where we just hang out with whatever you're drinking, and it's one of my favorite days of the week now. Tuesdays, of course, is when we come up with a new episode. Uh, Wednesdays, we have the Twitter takeover by the comedy department. So if you need a laugh, Twitter is where you need to be. And that's Anna Gustafson and Monique Madrid that are killing it over there on Wednesdays. I love it. Thursdays, we've got our new after show. We've got a writing group that started. I mean, if you want some firecrackeriness, you know where to go. Firecrackerdepartment.com. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, I really suggest you do that too. We don't overload you. We just give you a little monthly, hey, this is what's happening. Speaking of love it, you know what I would love is if you would go on over to our podcast and give us a little rate and review. Sure does help build our numbers and then build our community, which, you know, that's my jam. Thank you so much. Wherever you are right now, I hope that you're safe and that you've got things that make you happy and that you've got ways of feeling supported. And if you are lacking in anything, please, please, please reach out to us at firecrackerdepartment.com or firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Find a way. We got you, okay? You're not alone, and there's so many people in this great firecracker world now that somebody's next door and can help you. Big shout out to all the firecracker core team. Man, they're working hard. I mean, you know who they are because they're in different departments, and you see them sort of popping up and 
supporting in different ways. But oh boy, that's uh, one of the best parts of my day is seeing those folks, be it Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, whatever it is. I love seeing the core folks so much. It brings so much joy to my heart. We know that you have two ears and there's a lot of things you could be listening to. So we really appreciate that you're choosing Firecracker Department. And we just got one better because you're here. See you next time on the Firecracker Department, everybody.